Hi, I'm Hannah, team manager with the Orange Arrow Players Association, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field. Please consider making a play by giving, hosting a friend raiser, subscribing to our podcast and YouTube channel, and staying connected on social media at Orange Arrow PA. Visit orangearrow.org for more information. Thank you for listening. Take aim. Welcome to Inside the Play Call with Orange Arrow, and I'm your host, Sean Robinson. And today, we have a very, I mean, very special guest, one of the kindest people I know, Donna Sam. Donna, how are you? I'm great. I'm great, Sean. How are you doing? I'm well. While we've always stayed connected over the years, you know, we've been really connected over the last few years because... You've been supporting Orange Arrow and a, um, as a board member. And so we speak quite often. And now during this pandemic, this new way of learning, new way of communicating is Zoom. So we Zoom pretty often. Now, for those who might not see the video portion of this, I'm going to describe 99.9% <laughs> of the time when I see Donna. In her room that she Zooms in, there's a Christmas tree that is always up, whether it is December, January, June, or July. Donna, why is there a Christmas tree still up in your room, your home? Well, I have my desk set up here in a corner of my living room. So what you're seeing, Sean, is my living room. And my Christmas tree, I'm not sure exactly how long it's been up, but I would say uh, at least maybe 17, 18 years. I haven't taken it down. Um, I got into the habit of not taking it down because as you know, and anybody that works in athletics knows, the winter can be a brutal schedule. You have uh, women's basketball, men's basketball, wrestling, gymnastics, swimming. All these sports are happening at the same time. And I love my pit sports. So I tried, I tried to go to as many as I could and I still do. Believe it or not, I tell people it's kind of sad, but even though I'm retired from pit, my social life revolves around pit sports when there's not a pandemic going on. So, um, it, so the winter's busy. And then for a couple of years, it, I would end up like in April or May and my Christmas tree would still be up. And I'd look at it and I'd say, well, in a couple of months, I got to put it back up anyway. So I never intended to leave it up all these years, but it just, that's just the way it's been. So it's been up for a very long time. And I, I love it. When I'm in here, I put the lights on because it makes me happy. I love it. I love it. Love it. 17 years. That might be like a Guinness Book of World Records to the longest <laughs> Christian tree have lasted. So, so Donna, as a former athlete, you, under, you understand the importance of stretching and warming up. Absolutely. So I have a couple warm-up questions. Okay. First one, what is your favorite TV show all time? Okay. First, let me talk to you about warm-up for just a minute because, okay. because I, I exercise most days of the week. But what I now consider exercise, I used to call a warm up because that is about the level that it gets to. So, right, I'm with you. Do I believe in warm up? Yeah, I do. That's what I do for exercise now. Um, okay, TV. I have a weird relationship with TV because I don't really like to watch TV. Um, okay. it, I, I just, I don't like sitting around. It makes me feel like, I don't know, unproductive or something. So, I don't watch a lot of it. But I have to say that, like, right now, um, there are a couple things that I will make time to watch. One of them is This Is Us. I really like the, the television program, This Is Us. 
I love the fact that it's in Pittsburgh, first of all. You were going to say that. That grabs me. Yeah. But but also, it's such an interesting family drama, and the characters are so realistic, and um, it really delves into the relationships among families. And the bottom line is, no matter what happens to those people, there is love there, and there is commitment there, and that's what family is. And I love, I love that. So I really do. I love that show. But another show that I really like right now. And I don't know if you've seen it yet. Is Ted Lasso? Have you seen it? I've heard about it. Okay. I've heard about it. it. Okay. It, it, there's there's just been one season. I cannot wait for the second season. <clears throat> Ted Lasso is about a guy who was a Division two college football coach who gets surprisingly gets this job to coach a professional soccer team in England. Right. Right. He knows nothing about soccer. Nothing. Um, <clears throat> and they they hired him as a way to kind of bury the team or make the team bad. But this guy came in thinking, you know, he was going to win. And he, he comes, to, they think he's like a little bit unsophisticated, maybe not too bright, but he's really smarter than he looks. And, right. and, he, and he loves coaching. He loves people. He believes in people. And slowly but surely, he builds his relationships with these elite athletes, with these professional people, with the fans and the, the killer soccer fans in England. And, you know, people are starting to come around to him toward the end of the first season. And there's like so much I like about that. You know, Um, I I really do. I enjoy it. And so I can't wait for the second season to start. Now, Donna, I know you don't have a problem with making a decision. You got to choose one. If the the next season, This Is Us or Ted Lasso, you're going to choose one. Which one are you going to select? Well, I'm going to I'm going to go with This Is Us. Okay. There's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of substance to that. So there it is. I would go with that. There it is. So if you could work any job for one day, what would you do? Hmm. Any job for one day. I I, I don't know, Sean. I'm this is gonna sound weird, but I I think I had the one job I would love to do for one day. Um I loved working at Pitt. I, I, I loved everything about it from day one. I love, I love the University of Pittsburgh. I, I love the field of education. I was an education major. That's where my heart is. Um, <clears throat> I love sports. I mean, I love the people that I worked with. I love the kids that I worked with. Um, even on a rough day, I, I really felt like um, I was making a contribution in some way and helping. And, um, and I really loved it. So I guess I would say if I could do any job for one day, I might go back to that for one day and kind of work with, you know, the, the, the life skills team or the compliance team there and just kind of get back into that environment again for a day, I, I would really, I would really enjoy it. I, I wow. actually, I actually do stay pretty close to those folks, you know, and um, I do, I do volunteer as a mentor in the athletic department in the Panthers to the Pro, Pros program. And I do a lot of programming and career services. Some, I do a lot of, I also do like resume reviews and mock interviews and office hours for Pitt students. So through the alumni and residence program and career services. So I do stay closely connected, but um, I, I was just an extremely fortunate person to have landed at Pitt and had the opportunity to work at Pitt for so long. It's what I loved. Wow. So we're going to get into your, uh, your professional journey, your career journey, your background in sports. So you will go back. I mean, you're pretty much doing that already. Still, you just you just mentioned it. You you don't want to be a, a pilot for a day, the <laughs> president for the day. You don't want to be an Olympic gymnastics coach for a day. There's nothing else. 
a baker, a baker for today? Nothing else? Um, no, I really can't. No, I really, I mean, I just love, I love the day to day. Like I, I, I don't, I wouldn't want some like, you know, high, high pollutant kind of job. Like I like to roll my sleeves up and make things happen for the people at Pitt. That's what I love to do. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Last one more question. Yes. You're going to listen to one musical artist for 30 days straight. Donna, who are you selecting? Well, I'm, I love all kinds of music. Uh, I have a very eclectic taste in music. Um, my go-to music when I'm home doing things or when I was in my office is classical music. Um, I would have WQED FM on in my office all the time. As a matter of fact, sometimes a student would say to me, do they make you listen to this all day? And, <laughs> you know, and I would say, no, actually it's my radio. It's what I like to listen to, you know? Right, right. I, I really, I love, I love classical music. I, I studied a lot of ballet when I was young and classical music really gets to me. Um, the music of my youth is of course my favorite. So, you know, people like, um, I mean, Aretha Franklin, the queen is just, uh, I saw her in 2015 when she was in Pittsburgh. And um, I mean, I've not been, I'm not the kind of person that gets up on my feet and yells and dances at a concert, but I was that night. I mean, she was, love it. She, she was just, she was absolutely amazing. Um, I do love the music of that time. Um, but I have to tell you, I, one, one artist, if I had to listen to an artist, I guess over a long period of time, this is gonna be a weird choice, but it would be James Taylor. And, hmm. I, and I will tell you why. Uh, when I was a senior in high school, I went to see Chicago at the old Civic Arena and James Taylor was the opening act and I didn't know anything about him. And he came out on the stage dragging a stool with an acoustic guitar and sat down and played. And when I came back home, my friends were like, how was Chicago? And I was like, oh, they were great, but there was this guy named James Taylor. Yes. He was amazing. Yeah. So two summers later, I go to work at this uh, gymnastics camp in Michigan two and a half months. I, for my first time on an airplane, my first time really away from home, I, I committed myself for two and a half months and there was nothing up there. There was no TV, there was no radio. Uh, there were about maybe 30 college gymnasts, male and female that worked at this camp. And um, we had a counselor's cabin in the evenings and uh, floor exercise music was recorded on a reel to reel tape recorder at that time. And so someone had taped Sweet Baby James, the album, onto a reel to reel tape. And that was the only music we had. So, so for all, for two and a half months, every evening, we would listen to Sweet Baby James like maybe twice, you know? I mean, wow. it, I mean, it was like so remote up there. We were out in the middle of nowhere. And, um, and so when I hear James Taylor now, even now, it brings me back to that time. Yeah. It was like such an amazing time for me because the level of the camp was incredibly high there were a couple of Olympic hopefuls and one of the gymnasts that was there actually did make the Olympic team in 1972, the following summer. And um, there were international coaches there and um, a couple of college All-Americans. And it was like my first, it, you know, my first time being away from home for like the whole summer like that. I mean, it was a special time in my life. I loved it. And, um, and James Taylor was part of that. So I would say James Taylor. James Taylor, there it is, there it is. So you started to take us there a little bit. Take us back memory lane, where you're from, family, early introduction to sports. Take it away for a little bit. Okay. Um, well, I'm from Manesson, Pennsylvania, which uh, is about 30 miles south of Pittsburgh. And um, at the time that I was growing up, it was uh, still, still Mills was the, was the primary uh, 
uh, economic driver there. Um, so uh, my family was like what I would call like a typical Western Pennsylvania family. And when I say typical, I, don't, I mean extraordinary, ordinary people, okay? Like my, my dad and all four of my grandparents were immigrants from Italy. My mother was born here, but um, I grew up in this big, huge Italian family. I mean, I had, I don't know, something like 28, 29 first cousins and everybody kind of lived in the same area. 28, so, 29 first cousins. First cousins, yeah. My dad was one of seven. My mother was one of eight. I mean, and they were all there. So we had a big family. And, so, so if something happened, you could call your, your cousins like, you, there was no problems. Oh, wow. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's the way it was. And, and these folks were uh, like that generation. Uh, they didn't expect life to be easy. You know, um, my dad's and mom's generation, they grew up like the depression when they were young. My dad obviously you know, fought in World War II. All my, uh, all my uncles, my aunt was an army nurse and my mother was an army nurse. When she graduated from uh, Mercy Nursing School, it was 1945, the war had just ended. So she served for two years in, in a base in Amarillo, Texas. But you know, it, uh, it, they, were, they were resilient, tough people, but they knew how to have fun. They laughed and had a great time every, every moment that they could. So, um, so I was very fortunate to grow up in that kind of an environment. Um, my dad and my uncle, who my uncle Bud, who um, is that's kind of, I think that's kind of how my mom and my dad kind of got together. We're buddies growing up, and I have pictures of them like doing handstands on bridges and on canoes. And Whoa. They were like sort of they didn't do gymnastics per se. They were sort of like tricksters. Like my dad said they would have races walking on their hands around the gym floor and stuff like that. They were just Wow, like, so you were built for this, this gymnastic. Yeah, and then my, wow. yeah, so my uncle Bud had four daughters. And, you know, at that time, I mean, I was born in 1952. So in the, in the late 50s, early 60s, there was not a lot of sports for girls. But there, was, there were a couple organizations in my hometown that were uh, that focused on sports. And um, so if you've ever heard of the Turners, the Falcons, or the Sokols, these were like Eastern European organizations that came over and established themselves like healthy body healthy mind kind of organizations gotcha. and um so my uncle was involved with the Sokols and the gymnastics was the big sport there so we never like really made a choice to be in gymnastics it's just what we did it's just what our family did so I was involved in gymnastics uh from a very early age at the Sokols and when I look back on it um it it's interesting the Sokols was a very, uh, the women had leadership roles in the Sokols and the women's, our moms participated in athletic events. Like the moms played volleyball and the moms did calisthenics. And um, it was, it, so there was, I, growing up, there was never, I thought girls were better athletes than boys. I mean, that's how I grew up. Because yeah. in, in the gym, in gymnastics, the girls were better earlier. Definitely. The boys, the boys' events were all upper body strength. And it takes a lot of time for that to develop in, in, in kids. Um, so, I, you know, I, when I was growing up, I really, it never crossed my mind that girls should not be athletes or that they couldn't be athletes. And um, I have to say, like, I was surprised when I came to Pitt that the rest of the world didn't didn't think that way, didn't believe that way. You know, it was kind of an eye opener to me, but that's, that's, that's where I was from. I'm from a little steel mill town in West Pennsylvania. How about that? And so 
so um, so think of the athletics like were you in the sports or 30 minutes outside of Pittsburgh or fans of the fans of the Steelers? The fans, um, baseball, did you watch any sports? Yeah, sure. Yeah, baseball for sure. Uh, baseball for sure. A little bit of football. Um, but uh, you know, we were really our community was really a tight community. And um, we were really, I mean, our, I mean, my hometown was huge in sports, huge in football, huge in basketball. Um, and, and our gymnastics team, uh, I was not one of the stars of our high school gymnastics team by far. We had such really exceptional athletes on our high school gymnastics team, but our team did win the high school state championship all four years that I was in high school. Oh, all and, four years. Wow. And, and a couple of times we got like a police escort through the town when we got back home again. So, I mean, I, I will say that the community was really supportive of, uh, of us. And I never, unless I missed it, I never experienced any, any problems being a female and being an athlete when I was growing up. So I'm gonna take you back. You said you have 28, 29 first cousins. So how were how were the like the family reunions or like the Thanksgiving, Christmas? Like did a lot of y'all come together and eat together, all that stuff? Talk about those a little bit. Yeah, we would go to um, well on on the on my dad's side, we would go to my grandmother's for dinner sometimes, and the adults would all stay upstairs around this big dining room table. And the kids, we used to we used to get out and play in their basement, and we laugh about it now because it was a very small unfinished basement and there were a ton of kids down there. I, I don't even, I don't even know how we all fit in this place, you know, but, um, but yeah, we spent a lot of time together. And then on my mom's side of the family, um, that was the side where a lot of the people were involved in gymnastics. And um, uh, my uncle, uh, my two uncles also had a, a cabin in Deep Creek Lake, Maryland. And uh, we would go there on the weekends and um, there was, there was no heat. There were no showers. There was running water, but there was no showers. There was no television. There was no radio. Um, it was like it was it was wonderful, but it was like boot camp. Yes, we would we would water ski like crazy all day. Uh, my uncle's philosophy was: if you don't take one bad fall during your ski turn, you're not trying hard. You know, I mean, it was very. <laughs> it was it was. This was my uncle that was a coach. I mean, it was very like that. And yeah. um, and then at night we would play Scrabble. And he had a red algebra book that had word problems in it. And we would do algebra word problems. And I really credit my uncle with me doing so well on my SATs because How about that? the Scrabble and the algebra book really. Uh, How about that? <laughs> yeah. But it was, I mean, this is, I just had, I mean, like what kind of a childhood? I mean, it was like, it was amazing, right? It was just yeah. absolutely amazing. That's cool. So uh, all four years, state champions. Um, you end up going to Pitt. Did you consider going to any other university? Well, um, I, I really didn't intend to do college uh, gymnastics. Um, I, you know, the, you in gymnastics, you know, from a, you know, by the time you're 13, 14, 15, like you sort of like know your place, you know, how far you're going to get. And I was not the, like I said, I wasn't even the best gymnast on my high school team. So, um, and, and really, Women, you know, Title IX passed in 1972. I graduated from high school in 1970. So this was even before Title IX. And um, I really had no intention of doing gymnastics in college. So I went to, so the, actually the reason I went to Pitt, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I didn't know where I should go, no internet, right? We didn't visit colleges. You, your guidance counselor kind of told you where you should apply. 
So oh, seriously, guys, wait, y- yeah. y'all didn't visit schools back then? No, not, no, we didn't. So my, my guidance counselor said, um, well, you should apply to Pitt and Penn State. So I applied to Pitt and Penn State. And I was at my dentist and my dentist was a friend of my dad's. And um, he said, where are you going to go to college next year? And I said, I don't know. I applied to Pitt and Penn State. And he said, oh, you don't want to go to Pitt. Those kids up there are always protesting something. And I came to find out that that was, you know, the Vietnam War was a hot issue. And also the black students had taken over the computer center uh, to, to establish the Africana Studies program. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I'm going to Pitt. Like that just like made up my mind right there. That makes there. sense. Oh, you, yes. I was going to Pitt. So, so I went to Pitt and I wasn't going to do gymnastics, but I just found that I missed it so much. I mean, I had spent my whole growing up years in the gym and uh, I just missed being in the gym. So I went up to the gym and uh, it was interesting. Um, if you're familiar with Trees Hall, there's a large gym and a small gym. When I was there, they were called the men's gym and the ladies gym. That's what the signs on the door said. And at first, my freshman year, the women's gymnastics team was in the ladies gym and we didn't really have very much equipment. And the men had all like the regulation equipment in the large gym. So I think sometime during my freshman year that kind of got remedied and we started training alongside the men. Um, But, you know, the, the coaches for all the women's teams at that time were these wonderful women who were faculty members in the physical education department. And I, t- to tell you the truth, I don't even know if they got paid to coach. If they did, I'm sure they didn't get paid very much, but um, they wanted us to have teams. So they did it for us, you know? So it was a very different kind of culture there than what I was accustomed to. And um, there was no recruiting, of course, there were no scholarships, there was no recruiting. It was just people that wanted to go out for the team. So, um, so Title IX passed in 1972, and we started, the women's team started getting invited to the end of the year sports banquet. We started getting varsity letters. And um, in 1974, when I was a senior at the end of the year, um, the university moved the women's athletic program from the phys ed department to the athletic department, and they opened up all the coaching jobs. And um, I was, I don't know who I thought I was as an undergraduate, but I used to write letters to people in the athletic department when I was an undergrad and just saying, this isn't right. And you do something about this. <laughs> that makes sense. You still write letters. So then I, I was admitted to the graduate school of public health. And so I was looking for a way to play, pay for grad school. So I applied for the head coaching job and I get a call in my dorm room on the 22nd floor of tower B to, to go up to the field house to interview with the athletic director. And I couldn't believe it, but I think he knew, I mean, he knew who I was, you know, for whatever reason. And um, I, you know, I went up there and his name was Kaz Myslinski and he hired me. And I really give him a lot of credit because I know that he knew I was not gonna be this young woman who was just gonna shut up and do her job. You right. know what I mean? Because I, had, I was already a little bit outspoken. Right. So in a, in a professional way, but, but Definitely. I said my mind, you know, and, uh, and so I give him credit for hiring me, um, because he knew the world had changed and things needed to be different. And, um, it was really an exciting time because, you know, uh, John Majors came to Pitt January of my junior year. My senior year at Pitt was John Majors first year. I was in phys ed. A lot of my, a lot of my friends in phys ed were on the football team. 
and we followed it very closely. And um, it was amazing. I remember the first game that Pitt played under John Majors in the fall of 1973 was at Georgia. And, you know, Georgia was a good team and we had had, we had struggled so much, you know, in the couple of years leading up to John Majors coming and we tied them seven to seven. I think that was the score. And my girlfriends and I were listening on the radio out in the hallway on, in, on the floor of Tower B and we were losing it. And some of the other, some of the other students on the floor were like, what? We tied. We were like, no, it's Georgia. You don't understand. We just tied Georgia, you know? It was really, it was incredible. It was really, it was an incredible time to be involved in pit sports because in all sports, because the Steelers were winning, the Pirates were winning, you know, Pittsburgh was yeah. Pittsburgh was a huge sports capital and it was really fun. Yeah, definitely during time frame. How, how was the year when um, Pitt football won national championship? It was amazing. It was amazing. I mean, those guys couldn't, you went to the, you went to pit the old Pitt Stadium, and you knew they were. You just walked in there knowing you were, you were just going to win. Seriously, so so you just had so the much. Season, leaving to the season, it felt like well, well, we have we really have a strong team here. Yeah, like absolutely. Okay. Yes, I mean it was it was a miracle. I mean, as a young person then, I had no concept about how hard it was to turn around a, a football program. I mean, football is a huge enterprise. There are so many moving parts to it so many things have to fall into place, right? And I had no idea how big of a accomplishment it was, but it was so exciting to watch it happen. And I have to tell you that when I, I was a head, hired as a head gymnastics coach right after my senior year, and we, were, we, we had our offices in a racquetball court in the field house on the third floor of the field house. <laughs> they put partitions up in a racquetball court. No, those were how about that? But we, but we, but everybody was in the field house. There were no offices in Pitt Stadium. So, like the football staff had offices on the second floor of the field house. You know, so okay. we, so we passed everybody. You knew everybody. You know, we passed everybody in the hallway every day. So, uh, so you really got to get a feel for it. And um, that that transition was really was really absolutely incredible. The national championship was that seventy six. Seventy six. 76, 76. So how long did you end up coaching gymnastics? I coached uh, 12 seasons. 12 seasons. And so yeah. where did you transition to next then? Uh, then I got, uh, I, I got a job as um, coordinator of student affairs for student athletes. Mm -hmm. So what it was, was it was the precursor to compliance. Compliance wasn't a thing yet. You know, um, it was um, managing student athletes financial aid, housing, meal plans, and helping with the elig academic eligibility reviews. So I'm gonna take you out of pit for a second because I, I wanna stick with this uh, gymnastics. So when you think of some of the great uh, gymnasts, who come to mind? Well, I mean, there's, no, there's never been anybody like Simone Biles. Simone Biles is- Incredible. Is incredible. Simone Biles is incredible. She's incredible what she's doing, yes. She is really, she is, I mean, there have been, um, there have been gymnasts that sort of broke through barriers and did things that no one thought could be done, but the speed with which she's breaking all those barriers and the speed with which she's, um, showing what a, what a human being can do is, uh, is just unprecedented. And she's really, she's, a, she's an amazing, she's an amazing gymnast. 
So staying with her, so what is it about her? Because I don't really know the sport. I see the flips, I'm like, wow, that looks incredible. I couldn't do it. But someone who knows the game, you know, coached it, actually lived it and played it, like, what is it about her that makes her special? It's like well, the strength, the power, the speed combination. Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me, you know, I've never, I've never seen her perform in person, only on television. And that, you know, but let me, let me just talk, tell you about this. When, um, when I recruited Lisa Shirk and she came to Pitt and she was our, you know, she was a national champion in 1981 on even bars. She was, um, she was an elite gymnast. She had some injury issues that uh, limited her a little bit, but she was among the best in the country and on, on even bars, she was among the best in the world. Um, and she and I have talked about this and we laugh about it. When she came to Pitt, it took me like about a month for my eye and my brain to catch up with Lisa Shirk because wow. her physical skills and her ability to, to make adaptations to her physical skills so quickly was unbelievable. If you said to Lisa, you know, make this adjustment, she was gonna make that adjustment on the next turn. I mean, th there was no figuring it out. There was no, well, you're almost there. I mean, her, her ability to think things through and see it in her mind's eye and then translate that to the physical act was incredible. So I'm guessing that Simone Biles is exactly like that in that respect, in terms of being able to understand the sport and understand the physics and biomechanics of what has to happen. And, um, and obviously, I mean, physically, she's just extremely you know, talented strong, fast. She's obviously brave. She's creative. I mean, she's, she's, she's amazing. Yeah. And, and you said brave and, and it makes me think of the word like fearless. Like you really have to be fearless because like, I'm afraid myself to do like a little backflip <laughs> or even sometimes a cartwheel. I mean, like, like talk about the, the, uh, the mindset of, of some of the, uh, the gymnasts that you've been around in order to uh, compete at a high level. Like, I mean, it's, it, you could get seriously injured. Oh, yeah. Yes. You, I mean, but you, the training is so important. The practice is so important because it, doing it right, you build on you build on the skills. I mean, you don't go out there and just try a, a brand new skill completely new in one turn. There are lead ups and progressions that lead to that. And there are also adaptations to equipment, for example, like landing areas and that kind of thing that are involved. So, um, I mean, you know, you really try to make sure that everything's per working perfectly before you actually do it unassisted. And so uh, do you typically see those who uh, choose gymnastics as a sport, they start pretty young, right? Like how early do they usually begin? Because I, I feel like that's not a sport where you can decide in middle school that, oh, I want to try this. Because I feel like yeah. it's younger. Am I am I off with that? Yeah, I don't. You know what? I don't at this at this stage in the game. I'm so far removed from it that I can't tell you. I couldn't tell you like with the with the young people that are elite gymnasts right now, <clears throat> what their um, how early they started. But I mean, it certainly is the kind of thing where, for sure, you, you know, starting in elementary school is probably what most of them have done. You know, and and get pretty serious about it by the time they're in middle school. Okay. Okay. So take you back to pit. So coordinator. So next position after that. Um, 
<clears throat> or next few. Yeah, yeah. So the next thing was um, my, my, my boss calls me into his office and says, we're promoting you to assistant athletic director for compliance. And I said, what's compliance? <laughs> and he said, we're sending you to an NCAA meeting where they're going to talk, talk about it. And, you know, there was a school that had been giving what, what they called the death penalty um, right before that for, for just, you know, serious violations. And it kind of shook the country up and people, mm-hmm. people were saying, oh my gosh, you know, we have, to, we have to make sure this doesn't happen to us. We have to make sure that our people aren't doing something like that. So <clears throat> compliance became a pretty important thing pretty quickly. And, um, you know, I was kind of involved with it right from the very beginning. So um, it, was, it, was, um, it was a really interesting um, new enterprise. And I, I have to say that I, I don't think there were a lot of people that were involved in compliance in those early days that had a coaching background. And I, I always felt that my coaching background helped me with compliance because I, I understood what coaches did. You know, I understood what athletes did. And so I really, I think I could kind of translate what the rules were intended to do and how to apply them in a real world situation um, with the understanding of make sure, making sure that it fit in with training and coaching. So that was, that was the next step was compliance. And I did compliance for, you know, for a long time. So after compliance, you're still in athletics. Yeah. I, you know, it's it, thing. One thing just led to another. Yeah. Um, I, yeah it, it was like, I, I always tell, when I talk to young people about getting in into athletics and, and moving around a little bit, uh, you know, I always thought, I thought it was important to not get pigeonholed into one area because I was interested in all of it. And yeah. to be honest with you in compliance, you work with every single unit. You work with not just the coaches and the athletes, but you work with the ticket office, the business office, you know, the fundraising areas. I mean, you work with all of it. So I can remember a couple of times being in meetings where they were talking about some project and I could tell that it was going to be a hard one. And people were kind of like, not looking up, making eye contact because, you know, and I would go, Oh, I'll, I'll help with that. You know, I, I, I look at myself a little bit like a problem solver, like problem solving intrigues me. I, I get, I get jazzed up thinking about a problem that needs to be solved and, and how we can approach it, you know? So, um, so I just found myself like doing, getting involved in different things um, to just to try to help out. And so, so I got, I got the opportunity to do, to do a whole lot of things. And, you know, at the end of my career, I mean, I had done, uh, I don't know that there was really any area in the athletic department that I didn't have some experience with. I had pretty much been involved in some way, shape or form with just about every single area that was, that was in there and just, just worked with a lot of really wonderful people in the course of it. Yeah. And so I mean, you spent you spent your entire career at the University of Pittsburgh. Yeah, so, I worked at Pitt for forty one years. Mm-hmm. Wow, how about that? And so you have a lot of memories. I know some will probably run together, but when you think of like one or two, maybe even three memories, what come to mind? Whether it's traveling to a game, whether it's prior uh, hiring a, a coach, or whatever the case it be, like what's a couple memories that come to mind when you think about your time at Pitt and, and, and as an administrator? 
Um, well, I would say that, um, you know, establishing the, the first compliance program was, uh, was, a, was a great project. And I, I, I have to say that I loved, I loved trying to establish a positive culture around compliance. You know, I, that, was, that was a challenge. And I, compliance is scary. It can be a little bit scary, but, it, but yeah. you know, but I, I really worked hard to establish a, a positive culture there. I also, um, I loved working in life skills, you know, like a I established the life skills program and um, got it kicked off and got it started. And, you know, certainly the people that came after me, Penny and his crew have just, you know, taken it to a whole new level. Uh, especially with the support of Kathy and John Flusi and incredible. yeah, really incredible. And so they're doing incredible work there, but I really love that. Um, as an administrator, um, I, I, I think that my, the things that make me the happiest, the things that make me smile is when I think back on what I would consider to be little victories, not, not big victories, you know, um, little things that happened where, where, you know, personally, that you solved a problem or that you made the way a little easier for somebody or that, you know, those kinds of things. Um, I was recently telling someone a story about um, a, a student that came into my office and his approach wasn't exactly the approach he should use when he was looking for help, but he was stressed and he, and I understood that. So I said to him, here's how it works here. You're gonna go back out in the hallway and you're going to come in and you're going to say, Mrs. Sanft, how are you today? And I'm going to say, I'm fine. How are you doing? And you're going to say, well, I'm okay, but I need help with something. And I'm going to say to you, have a seat. Let's talk about it. Let me see if I yeah. can. And he's laughing. Coach him up. He's laughing the yeah. whole time. And right, I said, right, right. Oh, no, 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 no. Go back out in the hallway. We're going to do this the right way. So he's laughing. We laughed. We had a great relationship after that. It was great. But then about a month later, my secretary tells me that she hears him out in the hallway and he says to another kid, hey, where are you going? And he goes, I got to go see Donna about something. And he goes, oh, let me tell you <laughs> about how to do this, you know? Yeah, and it was it, just right. like, like, that made me so happy, you know? Um, that's one of my favorite things that, I, that I've heard, you know? And so those are the kind of things that kind of, that kind of stick with me. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, there's been so many wonderful people who've gone through Pitt. I mean, who actually, some, you know, some are still there from, um, Bob Junko to EJ Borghetti. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yep. And um, uh, you're, you were not the only Donna in athletics. There's yeah. another wonderful uh, person who, who was a colleague of yours. She was a resource to me, just like you were when I was a, a student athlete, Donna Sloan. And so I don't know why student athletes, including myself, why we could always different between the two, Donna Sam, Donna Sloan, because when they say you got to go talk to Donna or you spoke with Donna, <laughs> you saw Donna, it's like, which Donna? And, and it is really funny because I guess I, I felt the hesitation. I hesitated. You, you can still sense the hesitation when people reflect back the time I pit, which Donna is which. And so the deciding factor is, is it a white one or the black one? And so I know a lot of my, my friends and my uh, fellow student athletes always mixed it up. Did, did you all recognize that as well? Did, did you all feel like people always would have uh, um, 
mix the two of you up. Yeah, yeah. I think that the names were similar too, with the with the S as the first. That's letter. true. That's yeah. a good point. I think that that had a lot to do with it, as far as who was who, and we always did go by first name, uh, on a first name basis. Um, I, I I remember at one point in time, the great Kate Craig Hayward, when he was a student, he used to call me Mrs. Sam, and I said, Craig please call me Donna. When you call me Mrs. Samft, you make me feel old. And he said, but if I call you Donna, it makes me feel old. So um, uh, he, he had a great sense of humor. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. He was but, but, I, but I think because we also went by first name and also, you know, we, uh, we did a lot of similar work. We always, worked, true. We always worked hand in hand. And um, when Donna came to work with me, um, you know, even though I'm older than her, I would say to her, when I grow up, I want to be just like you, Donna, because she just had a way of putting people at ease, helping people, um, speaking the truth when it was necessary, you know, not being a pushover, speaking the truth when it was necessary, but always very, very kind and helpful person and all so good at her job, so competent, so organized, so good at what she did. Um, she was, she, uh, she and I, she, we're still great friends. I mean, yeah. she and I, we were a great team and I really, I appreciate everything that she did when she was a pit. Wonderful. Now there's a saying that I say all the time and I dearly mean it to the bottom of my heart and I believe it applies to you. So when, for me, when it's, when I speak about the work in Orange Arrow, I say, it's not about me. It's almost bigger to me because it's truly not about me. And so you embody that. The work you do, the work you have done is truly not about you. With that in mind, you were actually recently inducted into the Pitt Hall of Fame. Yeah. And I know it's not about you, mm. but speak to me, speak to us about, about that, um, that acknowledgement and, and that, um, you know, that award, that opportunity. Well, it, it's, I mean, it's an incredible honor. I, I, I'm always, I'm always quick to say that I certainly don't put myself in the same category as the, as the, the, the others who have been inducted into the Hall of Fame in terms of accomplishments. I mean, not even close. And there are so many other people who will come, who will have accomplishments that far, that far surpass mine. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind about that. Um, as I told you before, or a little, little earlier in this conversation, I was just a fortunate person. I was just, I was just really, really lucky to get my first job at Pitt and to be able to stay at Pitt for 41 years, a place that I loved, um, working with so many people and so many students that were so inspirational and so wonderful to be around and to do work that I loved. I loved all the work that I did. And um, uh, who, who does that? <laughs> who gets to do that for 41 years? I mean, it's, it's like unheard of. And I, I'm, just, I'm just really the, a, fort, a very fortunate person to have been in that situation. As you know, the mission of Orange Arrows, the coach, student athletes aim for success off the field, off the court, out of the pool, wherever the playing arena may be. Donna, why is it important for a student athlete to be successful outside of their sport? Well, 
being success, some of the same skills that will help students be successful in their sport can be transferred to help people be successful outside of their sport. And when you think about the lessons that you learn in sports, um, if, if you can transfer what, those skills to your life, it, you, will have, you will have a lot of success. Um, the, the reason it's important is because um, you know, no one plays sports forever. And most of us, <laughs> most of us stop playing sports as a, you know, as a main part of our lives very, in a very young age. And so, you know, you have to learn how to apply those skills to whatever is going to come next for you. And, and also as a way to kind of know yourself and help you decide what is going to come next for you. So there's, there's um, the, the, you know, you know how much I love Orangero and I love the mission of Orangero. I mean, like to me, um, one of the things I love about Orange Arrow is that any of us that do teaching, guiding, mentoring, those kinds of things, we all know that when we do those activities, we learn as well as guide and mentor. We get better ourselves when we do it. And so these college student athletes, you're providing them with training and then they're applying those skills that they learn and it's reinforcing things within their own hearts as well as the, the really important lessons that are being shared with the young students. So it's a win-win. The college student athletes are growing and developing and the, the young students are learning a lot of things. So both parties are getting so much out of it that um, it's, it's really, it's an incredible concept. And I'm sure, I know, I mean, I've heard the kids talk about it. It's changing lives. It's helping people grow. And it's, it's really, it's an amazing organization. And I'm, I'm you know, honored to, to you know, support it in, in any way I can. Awesome. And I'm also honored. Like, thank you. Thank you for your time. All that you've given to OA, your resources, time and, and financially and connecting us to your network, things of that nature, and just really whatever it needs. Also need to help more young people. You've been there part of part of that journey. So I appreciate you. And, um, and that's it. So, so as I said, it's truly not about you. Uh, and, and, and there was some hesitation that you joining the podcast. I had to chase you down a little bit. That wasn't bad, was it? No, 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 no. It was good. It was fun. Awesome. Great. Donna, thank you for your time. Look forward to catching up with you soon. Okay. Sounds good, Sean. Thanks a lot. Take care.